It's another podcast, GilesPetersonWorldwide.com. Welcome along. Um, it's uh, December something. It's horrible outside. This is when winter definitely takes a hold of London town. Um, today I have witnessed snow, sleet, rain, sun, um, extreme winds, and um, it's great to be here. How are you, Dean? I'm very well, thank you. I've got Dean Rudland with me. Now, today is... um, Dean Rudland, first of all... Actually, no, one step at a time. Today, we are going to start unearthing, or I am, because I need to learn more and to know more, on the Fania record label. Fania Records, which also composed of, eventually, as part of its battle attack, Critique, Allegre, Tico, incredible record labels... Latin music, I always considered it to be a little bit more Latin jazz than straight salsa. And uh, are you going to be able to answer some deep questions and get clear my head a little bit? After the year I've had, Giles, yes. I've, I've been investigating, I've been digging in, I've been hanging out with people, I've been hearing wild stories, and I know much. So, OK, first of all, Fania, the record label, where's it coming from? 
Which country, Puerto Rico, Cuba, New York, what's it all about? I'll throw another one in, actually, Dominican Republic as well, because it was started by uh, Johnny Pacheco, who was uh, a Latin flautist and a timbale player um, in New York in the early 60s. He'd been signed to Allegro Records, and he wasn't getting paid, and he just got divorced, and his lawyer was this Italian ex-copper called Jerry Masucci, who... If you think, if you've ever watched um, Carlito's Way, the character that um, Sean, Sean Penn. Penn plays in there, <laughs> if that wasn't based on Jerry Masucci, I eat my hat or whatever. It's like it's so that, and they just got together, made their first record, started signing all the young guys who were starting to come through on the Latin scene, which um, kind of. At the time, Tico was the the big label. It was big, own, bigger than Fania. Yeah, it was the big Latin label. It had Puente, it had Rodri Tito Rodriguez, and it was backed by Roulette Records, who kind of had big pop hits, and they were the big fuss, and they had all the big band, the, the top band leaders there. And Fania signed the new guys and the young Boogaloo guys, and that's when they started making it. And when they really broke through was when they signed... Both uh, Joe Batan, uh, who was kind of like the sound of the young street tough kids, and Ray Barreto, who just put together a Latin Latin soul band. Ray had been around a bit; he'd had El Watusi as a hit a couple of years previously, but he had like soul drummers and everything coming through. So, what year are we talking about? This is '67. So the label probably started about '63, '64, '67. They started hitting it with like the Latin soul records. New York City based. Yes. But Pacheco was from the Dominican Republic. A lot of the guys were kind of New Yorkans, second, second, gen, second third generation um, New York born kids whose families had come over from Puerto Rico in, first of all, in 1919 was the first big wave, but then just around the time of the war, just like loads of people came over to work in New York. Um, find work and whatever and these were the, these were their kids who were speaking English as well as speaking Spanish but the whole thing's based on Cuban rhythms because that was the kind of dominant rhythm amongst the Latin musicians in New York who'd come over and started like Puente and Chano Pozo playing with the bebop guys in the 40s and so they kind of took the dominant rhythm put their New York street sensibilities on there of kind of hanging on the streets like Batan had was part of like a street gang had been in doo-wop groups and you just kind of throw it all into the mix and you've got this mad thing going off amazing that's great and one thing that I was checking out this week was I'm putting together a compilation for the catalogue which has now been bought by V2 for yep. the world so they're asking different people Snowboy's done one Louis yep. Vega's doing one so I found myself pulling out all my Ticos, all my Cotiques, all my Allegres, all my Fanias, and it made up a pretty considerable pile, of pro probably about 100 records, and I went one by one through the tracks. I listened to a lot of Latin music, <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was a lot of records made, and that's just, that's just the tip of the ocean, right? Yeah, I mean, there's 1,200 records in the catalogue. It's just, like, crazy, like, really stupidly big catalogue, and... You know, a lot of that's when it drifted into the 80s and started going into Salsa Romantico and really you don't don't want to delve too too long there. But, you know, big chunks of it are like just mad, big horns, cooking stew of kind of New York 
bringing in the Caribbean influence. It's just, you know, fantastic fun. And there's, like, in the warehouse where all the stuff is, there's just, like, everything. Like, just boxes and boxes of tapes everywhere. Who knows what's there, you know? It's like we're working through it, but it, it takes time. So, so, Dean Rutland, you're a bit of a legend as well because you've been on the record label side of things, collecting, making loads of compilation albums for many years now. You've done quite a few, haven't you? Yeah, probably hundreds. Certainly scores. <laughs> Remind us of a few. Well, the first one I did was uh, Blue Breakbeats, which uh, and then I did all the Blue Blue series for Blue Note, then... I took over at BGP in kind of 80, 98 and 99, where I've been doing things like Super Funk and um, Super Breaks. Um, as well as that, we've been doing uh, doing stuff at EMI stateside, like the David Axelrod compilations and the Mini Ripperton Les Fleurs comp that they did there. So, and on top of that, just tons of stuff. I think if you added all your comps and all my comps, we'd probably have as many records out as Art Blakey ever recorded, right? Yeah, we, we might even have dwarfed Jimmy Smith. <laughs>
I'm just getting this kind of uh, Sean Penn thing going yeah, on in sure. my head right yeah. now because that was a great film and uh, it was very much a sort of Latin sort of as you'd expect it to be. So Jerry Masucci yeah. was basically Sean Penn in. We think so. We're investigating. <laughs> We're trying to find out the truth here, but. It's completely, you know, you just look at what they were up to and the flights they were taking and where they were flying to and how often, and you just think, there's something funny going on here. The the money they were paying out, it just looked all very dodgy down the year, but great. I mean, from your point of view, you've got this enormous catalogue, which is probably the blue note of Latin music, right? Yeah. And uh, you've obviously had to spend quite a lot of time um, going through the vaults and listening to all the music that was released. Is there a lot of stuff that never came out? We're trying to find out. It, every vault I've ever dealt with, if it's this size, there's lots of stuff that didn't come out. But there's so much of this stuff, and we're not quite sure what we're up to, that we're not sure yet what's there. We think so. We found a few things, but nothing that great yet. But... As, the, as we found a few things, it's almost certain that there must be other stuff there. What would have been the biggest sellers, the biggest hits? What was the kind of blue of Fania? Um, well, there was lots of... Th the thing is, it, for Fania in the 70s, once it was a salsa label, it was kind of... It was beyond being the blue note of, of salsa. It was kind of more like the stacks of Motown of Latin music. And culturally, mm. for that community in the States, it's... It's their pop music. So things like Siembra, uh, um, uh, uh, Willie Kalan and Ruben Blades, is like was probably a million seller around kind of America and South America. And, you know, there's a lot of like Hector Laveau albums and stuff like that that all fit into that, that, that thing. Of the earlier stuff, it's albums like um, Acid was a big seller. Um, Ray Barretto. Yeah, and a couple of the Joe Batan early ones. Riot was a was a big seller, it was a gold album, you know, 100,000 albums sold, so... Um, Are some of the musicians still around? I know Joe Batana's based in Italy now, isn't he? He seems to be based halfway between Italy and New York, and he's still around. There's, there's a fair amount. The Fania All-Stars played New York um, last month as part of Johnny Pacheco's 50th anniversary of music. And who's in the Fania All-Stars? Um, a, a few, you know, pe people like Papa Luca and... Uh, Roberta Reina, but obviously a lot of them are, you know, Johnny Pacheco was in there, um, uh, Bobby Valentin was still in the band, but obviously, you know, quite a few. Ray, Ray Barreto died at the beginning of last year. Just, you know, so uh, Willie Colon is um, deputy mayor for New York these days, so he's got less time to turn up and rehearse for the Fania All Stars. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's a fair lineup, but it's not really. Really, it's a full lineup. As there's well. one band. There's one band I'd really want to see. I hope they come to London, even in the form that they're in. Now. No, if they do, I tell you what. On the, the first day I was there, we we popped up to rehearsals, and they're rehearsing at this place down by the ri river on on Eleventh Avenue in New York. And we've gone down, gone in, and they're in the room like you know, fifteen piece band in a kind of quite small rehearsal room. And as I've opened the door, they're doing Yumbambe. Like the horns going off and everything, it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Different tracks on different labels that all happen to be part of the Fanny family. The first four I've played on this podcast, we started off with the TNT band on Cotique and uh, Cool Clave. Then I played Rafael Cortijo on Tico with a really cool dark tune called Chinito Bugalu. Then a bit of Eddie Palmieri, Mi Mambo Conga from... Um, one of his Tico albums. And in the background, the Fania All-Stars. Probably the first band that I bought on this label. I think probably because they did a version of Back to My Roots, actually. That was probably the first thing I bought on Fania. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Dreadful saxophone solo. It's like smooth operate. They did a version of that as well, actually. I'm <laughs> thinking about it. But <laughs> So, why don't you break down the... Um, the different labels, actually, that we've just mentioned there, just to kind of differentiate what made them separate from each other. Okay, well, Tico was 
the big name in Latin music in the 50s and 60s in uh, New York. Um, it was originally run by uh, George Goldner, who had a habit of starting record labels and then losing them at the track. Um, the, what, the racetrack? Yeah, he was, uh, he was a big, big gambler. So he set up, like, Tico, signed Puente and all the big Latin bands. Um, great success. And was, T- was Tito Puente big before he signed to Tico? It was, he signed at the time he became big in the late 40s. Right. And so they were a big success with pushing it through and he, he, he lost all his money at the track and a guy called uh, Morris Levy at Roulette Records bought, bought it off him at knockdown price. He then went on to set up other labels which he lost and George Goldner bought, but they were all kind of doo-wop and stuff like that. He then set up Katiko Records in the late 60s. Because it wasn't about um, sort of leaving one label and creating another one for musical reasons. It was just the fact that he had to kind of... It's almost like they went bankrupt. And he's really... Yeah, he was just a hustler, basically. He just kept on hustling. Um, and Katik was actually um, Tico backwards. OK. Um, How? I don't know. Someone told me that. I'm just actually trying to work it out now, but it's wrong. But the words, the letters are in there somewhere. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, uh, And Fania, of course, started earlier than... Well, started in the early 60s, as I explained earlier. That carried on through to the 70s. In the meantime, Tico had also bought the Allegre label, which was the hardest of the Latin labels. Oh, it so was, that was that was kind of an independent label. Yeah, that was an independent label, and they got bought out in the mid sixties by Tico, and that was the label that discovered Charlie and Eddie Palmieri, and obviously had the Allegre All Stars. Um, in the mid seventies, uh, Jerry Masucci was starting to feel, find great success when he invented what was basically a marketing term, salsa, to describe kind of. New York Latin music and he was on a bit of a expansion tip and wanted to get as much as possible so he bought all Tico's Latin labels or all Roulette's Latin labels which was a deal that was always rumoured to have been done on the back of a napkin at a restaurant over dinner in fact it wasn't it was done on a piece of paper smaller than a napkin I've seen the paper but the point was it was done Fania then owned all these labels um, and were basically the dominant force in Latin music because no one else had any. A lot of people have spoken about these labels as being a cover for a sort of underworld that was going on. Was there a sort of quite a lot of um, indirect association between the sort of mafia, the underworld, and these labels? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the roulette group of labels, which included Tico and Katik and Allegre are kind of notorious for having had mob involvement. Um, Maurice Levy wasn't an Italian-American, but he had a lot of Italian-Americans on his uh, team. And if you ever speak to anyone who works in the independent part of the record business in New York during the 50s, 60s and 70s, they all have stories about Maurice Levy. Um, And some of them are quite unpleasant, really. Um, Whether Fania was... You know, Jerry Masucci was an Italian American. He, 
there's certainly a feeling that there was something up there, but you know what it was, you can't really say because they obviously didn't uh, advertise it. <laughs> <laughs> of the, of the um, I love to get deep. Of the um, of the of the established artists, quite a few of them have passed away now. Tito Puente's gone. Um, Eddie Palmieri. No, Eddie's still around. He's, he's Charlie Charlie's, Parker, Charlie's yeah, he, not around. He's not around. Who's who's around still and, and uh, sort of full of full of energy? Uh, Larry Harlow's still around, around. Still around, full of energy. Um, uh, uh, Johnny Pacheco's still around. Very old now. Well, mid seventies, looking a bit frail, but still looking like the elegant gentleman up on stage in New York last month, suited and booted, looking like looking the part as part of the Fanny All Stars. Um, well, Celia's obviously died. Um, La Lupe. La Lupe died quite early. I think she yeah. died like late late seventies. Um, Willie Colon's still around. Ruben Blades is still around. So you know, there's a fair few still around. Are there any books on 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 the on the label? No, you... the only book on the label is not even on the label. It's the Latin covers. There's a record covers book of uh, called Cochinando, which uh, is around. But that's it. And is yeah. there a film about this movement? There isn't, though there's going to be two films about uh, Hector Laveau in the next year, who was uh, kind of the vocal heartthrob and the kind of ultimate pop star, but with a more dissolute rock and roll life than, you know, Keith Richards and uh, Pete Doherty put together. Um, Rumoured to have fallen out of a six-storey window and then just stood up, not noticed, at the other end. Uh, there's a big film that's been made by Jennifer Lopez uh, starring Mark Antony as Hector Laveau. Um, this coming out this this summer, so. But I suspect that won't really be about the label. So, but I suspect if you can put Carlitos Way and that together, you could have a fairly good label story. Um, I'm going to play you a track which I think is awfully badly produced. Um, some of the records were. Why were some of them really well produced and others not? Were there a general I, in-house engineer, or did they just go with anybody? Sometimes they were, or, they were. This is the weird thing. They were generally recorded. Same few engineers in the same studio, but um, maybe it's the fact that this album has a lighting engineer credited on the back. <laughs> maybe they weren't paying attention to the sound. This is a really great track. Maybe I've just got a bad press. No, in. I think there's, some of the stuff is really badly recorded. It's really kind of variable for no apparent reason. I love this. This is uh, Larry Harlow.
Yeah, as chosen by Dean Radlin. Pulled out a little seven-inch there, which is obviously very seasonal. Good version, actually. Good little... I mean, that's all right. You don't get a lot of funky Christmas records like that, do you? And you don't... In fact, I don't get very much opportunity to play Latin Christmas records, so... <laughs> Seemed like the perfect excuse there, Giles. Very, very good. And uh, before that, it was Orchestra Harlow with uh, Freak Off. Yeah, which... Uh was great if a little badly recorded and there's that kind of northern soul thing as well with a lot of this music i suppose that's where boogaloo kind of yeah there's out. some re- there's um kind of bobby valentine records that are really rare northern soul or really sought after on northern soul and there's a harvey Vern single that's going for about 100 quid that's uh, really big with the uh, northern soul crowd as well so have you in your role as consultant for this massive reissue um series have you um been able to get into some dingy um, warehouses and discovered box loads of rare old Latin records. No. <laughs> if only. There was like about six boxes of records, but they were the library stock, and I only got like one record out of there. And it's like. Is there somewhere? Is there? Is there? Is there a spot? Have you heard about it? There's. I. Th- I, th- I think Puerto Rico is the place to go. It's you know, this stuff was really big out there, and they've virtually all gone over to uh, CD completely and a couple of people who've been out there who know nothing about records have told me there's a couple of shops just absolutely rammed with it so um, you know, anyone who's near Puerto Rico is probably now just going to rush out, get their plane ticket straight there You've pulled out um, a record which I didn't actually know was on the, it was part of the, of, of, of the sort of, what is it, is it Fania catalogue? Yeah. How does it go down? As yeah the... we call it Fania just for the easiness of it and if it had if I'd have known I'd have put it on the comp and maybe we've still got time to do it and it's um, an album on, on Swinger Records yeah which was Tico's supposedly Tico's Boogaloo uh, label and uh, but it only had four releases and there was far more Boogaloo records than that on Tico so I don't really understand but uh, it's by Pete Bonnet who was uh, Ray Barreto's vocalist on um, Acid and uh, New York Soul albums so he's you know he's I think he write, Ray Bretto writes a sleeve note on the back of it and everything. It's just like, it's an obscure as hell record that I heard once in about 1989 and had no idea what it was. I could remember the title of the track because it's really obvious, called Puerto Rican Soul, but I could never find out what it was until about 15 years later when I, I, I suddenly heard someone else playing it when I was in a club and I went, what on earth is this? Tell me. And then I forgot again for another two years because I was drunk, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Puerto Rican Soul Oh, 
There's a good little break on that. Yeah, it sounded like, you know, ten years ago you'd have like, killed for a break like that if you are a hip-hop producer, wouldn't you? Dance, 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 the LeBron brothers. Now, that's produced by George Goldner, who seems to be on a lot of sleeves as producer. Yeah, he produced all the critique records when he started that label up. Um, before he ended up uh, bankrupt again, or dead. I think I think he he ended up dead before he ended up bankrupt with Katique, but because uh, um, one of the records says this is a tribute to George, our leader or something. <laughs> and you were mentioning Hector Laveau, who is Louis Vega's uncle. Yeah, or who was uh, Louis Vega's uncle? Royalty. Yes, Latin music royalty. He was uh, when we saw Louis at the beginning of the year. He was telling us how he used to go along to the sessions, and they all used to like pat him on the head as a little boy and then he's seen a lot of the musicians around since and he said he was saying when he started um, Master at Work Records they went and tried to see um, Willie Colon to make him do it to see if he'd do an album and he came up with some magnificently large figure uh, but um, and he said well maybe next time <laughs> he said but I'll do you a favour on it because you're you're uh, Hector's uh, little boy I remember you from uh, the sessions Still never did it though, right? No, still never did it, obviously. It's um, a little bit of a news, but I heard um, recently, um, officially, that there will be a New Eureka Soul Volume 2, which Louis Vega's going to be embarking on, which was quite a, an amazing achievement on the last album, the fact that they kind of incorporated all these musics yep. and, and um, described the story a bit better to more people, didn't it? The about the new album, or no? Well, no, just the fact that sort of it took Louis Vega to almost reintroduce you know a whole new generation to this world of music. Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly, if you look at the new Eureka, the first new Eureka Soul album, there, and you look at the credits on there, it's credited to Hector, um, and it's that it's that whole cross fertilization thing in New York, which. It's sometimes forgotten about how much the disco thing in New York was about the Latin youth coming through and pulling off another string from, from their roots. So, like, the whole South Soul thing was Joe Batan's label originally and set up, and, you know, there was Candido Records, obviously, but, you know, Candido was on there not to make a disco record, but because he was part of the label's Latin roots and he just happened to make a disco record. And um, kind of that kind of kind of got forgotten as you know latin hip-hop is what kind of happened in the, the 80s and kind of it all drifted away from the kind of roots of the soul thing it kind of drifted back off and that, and louis and kenny kind of brought it back together for a new eureka soul and there's you know uh palmieri's on there isn't he and uh t tito well t tito's on there but of course they did the uh the incredible rankan cam mix um a little earlier as kind of just after the nervous song, and it was just you know, I, I sometimes think though that people didn't really notice how much the Latin influence was in the new Eureka Soul album. Subliminal, yeah, in a way. But if you listen back to the Eddie Palmieri cut, it's straight up Latin, isn't it? Well, it's yeah, and I mean, there's just the whole thing is you know the fact it's called New Eureka Soul. It, I don't think any of us. I certainly wasn't aware what a New Eureka was until the nervous song, uh, nervous track came out. And you know it kind of pulled a whole cultural thing into the into the forefront. I'm very excited about them making that album. That's for sure. Um, another thing that we haven't sort of touched on yet is the the artwork. It's got a whole 
bookload of... I mean, someone's got to do the book or the gallery of all that. Yeah, I mean, there was a gallery in New York last month did a artwork exhibition. It's a bit disappointing, actually, because they, they did it, they cheaped it a bit, and it just... But all the same, when you walked into the the space they had, and there was, like, about 300 of these albums all round the wall, just, like, all the, all the fashions, all the kind of big big collars and kind of very flamboyant in a particularly Latino way as well. It's kind of like... And lots of bright colours. It's just like, definitely. Um, I mean, we did some work this year with Izzy Sanabria, who's the guy who um, who did a lot of the early album covers and a lot of the kind of concepts for, like, Acid with, you know, Ray floating around like some sort of psychedelic picture or the the one you... The Orchestra Harlow record you played earlier, which has got some tri- kind of trippy text on the front cover and whatever... Um, and he was absolutely crazy. He uh, brilliantly crazy, and he's you know his whole influence was like Dali, and his he showed us this picture of him having dinner with Dali in the kind of late sixties, and you know it was to him it was all about forging a cultural identity as well. It was making something uniquely Latin, uniquely New Rican about the uh, about it all. And he's so, still around today. He's still around. He's down in Miami. He's got his own website called Mister Salsa. Because his other claim to fame is he was the man who first used the word salsa to cover all Latin music, and he had he had his own magazine called Latin New York, where because the Latin music wasn't recognised in the Grammys, they did their own awards ceremony in New York, and like invite, invited Stevie Wonder along to present an award because it was when Inner Visions and Talking Book were out, and he was winning all the Grammys every year. They, they invited Stevie along to give I think gave Ray Barreto his award for that year for the best album, and like. He's he's great. He's got amazing pictures. He's just like, but absolutely nuts. <laughs>
Um, we've nearly run out of uh, time on this um, podcast. It's been a real pleasure to talk to Dean. He's actually just gone off to the bathroom for a moment, and um, I'm just going to carry on talking. That was music from um, Ray Barreto. <laughs> um, shout out to Paul Martin. We're going to do. You're going to do. A, we're going to do a talking now one, right? Yeah, yeah. We got to do a little retrospective. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, 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 Paul Martin. Absolutely. No, no doubt. Um, but yeah, good sleeve on the phone. There. Thanks, Dean's back. Um, oh. <laughs> I thought that was a long record. Yeah, well, so did I, but um, obviously <laughs> you were longer than the record. Um, so, Dean, thanks a lot, mate. Um, what's the plan with um, with all these reissues for people to... Is, are they slowly available again? Or What compilations are coming out? Who's competing against me? Who am I competing against? You're competing against me, obviously, because I couldn't resist not doing a compilation. But we've got a series called El Barrio, which is kind of focusing on different areas of the Latin music. We did one general one called the... I can't remember what the subtitle was. Then we did a Boogaloo one, and we're going to do a funk one later in the year. Um, then... As we said, Snowboy's got a compilation. Then the big one, which is your comp. Double CD. Double CD. Are we doing vinyl? We might do. I mm. don't see why not. Mm. I think it's a good idea. Uh, and a cu- maybe a couple of remixes. A couple of remixes would yeah. be very good. That'd be good. Um, then we've Louis. got Louis. Uh, DJ Format's going to do a kind of cut-up type uh, mix CD. And You're going to bring them all over? Are you, gonna, are you organising the Fanny All-Stars show? We're trying to organise a new Spaniel All-Stars album at the moment, um, which is what's taking the time. Who arranged the music? Because you mentioned that earlier on Star Trek. Jay Chataway, who produced the Spaniel All-Stars track that you played earlier, who was, um, I think it was a guy from Philly, but he now does Star Trek Voyager and stuff like that. And I, I just saw it the other day when I was sitting at home, and I'm going, that name, I'm sure that's the guy who produced the Spaniel All-Stars. <laughs> but he produced their three disco albums, so... Um, Who else? What else have you got? If you're doing a Fanny All Stars album, you're not doing the new Rican Soul album. You might, you've got. To well, we might be. <laughs> we might be. <laughs> you have to uh, ask my man here about that. Yeah, I'll ask him later. Um, He's trying to steal my young disciples' vinyl. Don't touch that. There aren't many of those it's around. In better condition than what? Huh? Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> get the American version. It's got a double vinyl. Was that double vinyl? It was double vinyl with the um, Pete Ask Professor remix. With the Ask Professor remix, I mean. <laughs> which was never very good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> was it, Paul? We didn't commission that, though, did we? That wasn't anything to do with that. No, but I bet you thought it was a great idea. Thought, great. I'm looking forward to that coming in. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so... Yes, Fania. back to Fania. Um, so we'll be doing all that. Uh, we're working on a bunch of Remix 12s that are coming out, which the first one is DJ Format... Christina Aguilera cut Cutting up, up the break from Christina Aguilera, very and very uh, good, Blue Dollar Bill have done another cut-up of it on the other side. Ashley Beadle has done Feel Like Making Love, which... Uh, Ricardo Moreira, is that a Fanny record? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. That's another one I yeah, can Yeah, but you just on. used it on your Dingles comp. Uh, yeah, but there's other tracks on that album. Have you got the original Ricardo no, Moreira? No, you, t- you were telling Tony about this, but I don't... The album pre that, the one that that was sort of based on? No. Have you not got that? No. That's better. So you said, I've but... Got, uh, I've, got, I've got it here somewhere. <laughs> now. That's rare. Yes. Yeah, so Are people still buying this music? I mean, is there still a collector's market? There's still a collector's market. We're just trying... What's Thing the is... most valuable Fanny All-Stars record to the sort of dance crew? Not the sort of rarity value, apart from the Northern Soul one. Which is the one record that people are most looking for? Is there one? I don't know, really. The Ricardo Moreira one that never came out. Well, no one's looking for that, because you're the only person who's got it, and they don't know about I it. I got that off Chris Bangs. Ah. Swaps. And then I lent it to um, Raphael Sebag, um, and he didn't want to give it back to me, and I had to go all the way to Japan to get it back off him. Well, that was a good excuse. Have a look at M, Paul. I think it might be up there. M, yeah. 
Oh dear, it's just falling to pieces. It's all gone apart. <laughs> Dean, thanks a lot, mate. Thanks, Giles. This, by the way, is being recorded on tape, and uh, uh, you'll hear some of the great records that we played through the years. So when you're listening to all the nice things, I know that you'll hear some of our sounds. You'll say, well, I used to know that cat symphony said. Now he's out there cooling it. He thinks he's cute now. All those cuts out there hustling, hustling, and he's cute. He's out there having the ball. Well, you tell me how you feel about me. What's your name? My name is Carlos. Tell me. Now, the way I feel about you is that you're going to be the only man in the Latin music of Symphony Sit, and that's going to be it. Well, what about Dick Sugar, them fellas? Well, you top them all. Ain't nobody going to beat you. You're going to be the one and only. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll miss you too, fellas. Believe me. I miss all of you, fellas. All the uh, and I digs the young ladies. Cause you know, my, old la- my old lady, you know, you didn't know my old lady was from Ponce. <laughs> when you read my book, honey, when you read the book that I'm going to write, I'll tell you all about Ponce and Mara Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. 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 Thank you.